What's up, my good sis? This is your girl, Coach Naquandra at The Purpose Place. Welcome to the Women Alike podcast where we talk about the goodness of God and we also get into the realness of what it's like to walk as a woman of God. I am so grateful that you are here listening today and I pray that this message blesses you and encourages you in your spirit. Before we get started, I want to remind you to make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so that you can be notified when there's a new episode uploaded also do your good work don't be stingy share this podcast with your friends and family so that they too can be uplifted and encouraged okay now that that's out the way let's go ahead and get into the message What's up, y'all? This is your girl, Coach Naquandra at The Purpose Place, and welcome to the Women of Like podcast, where we get into the realness of what it's like to live as a woman of God. Today, we have our very first guest, Savia. Um, me and her connected through TikTok um, for a while now, and we found, I finally reached out to her and asked her to be our first guest, so Let's prepare our hearts and minds to be blessed with everything that she's about to share, everything that the Lord has brought her through, um, all the wisdom and knowledge that she has gained because of that, and we'll see where she is right now um, and how we can connect with her and continue to support her in her ministry. She's going to talk about her ministry, what she's doing, which I think is wonderful and much needed, um, and so I'm just grateful that you are here, sis, and um, I'm just ready to see how the how this goes forth and how many people are, you know, blessed by it. Um, because what you're about to share, a lot of women are going through. And a lot of women are sometimes made to be felt that some of these things aren't that deep or not as, um, I guess, traumatizing, so you'd say. But it is. Um, and I share some of your same experiences. And so it's going to be good to have this conversation. So will you just open up and tell the people a little bit about who you are, like where you are, your job, um, and what you're currently doing right now? Hello, everybody. My name is Savia, and I'm actually currently a student at SMU, Southern Methodist University, where I'm actually pursuing a master's in divinity. So I'm actually attending seminary. And if anything, this was something that I didn't ever see myself doing. But I just found that once again, the will and the call of God is just something that you just walk in. You just walk in. Um, so for myself, I was born in the U.S. Virgin Islands, St. Thomas. Um, I was born to teenage parents. And as I'm sure you can understand, um, that's not always an easy circumstance. And so I just found that, you know, despite the issues and things that I dealt with throughout my life, God was just always there for me. God was literally always there for me. And so, you know, being born to teenage parents, sometimes they're young. They make choices and decisions that affect us in ways that we can never truly predict. But my father didn't end up staying into my life. I ended up having an abusive stepfather. I've dealt with sexual abuse, domestic violence, um, just a gender confusion, and just a lot of same-sex attraction, and just a lot of those different issues simply because of the childhood that I grew up in. And while I was very turbulent, I'm just really grateful to God for just always having led me out of those things. I found that no matter what life brought my way, no matter what pain came, like, God was always there to love me and to soothe me. And I'm just so grateful to get to be a vessel of that same love and care to the LGBT community. Right. This past summer, 
I actually was a part of a program where God just really seeded this ministry in me. And he allowed me to take really a part of my testimony I thought I would never share and make it the forefront of a testimony that says that no matter how you identify, you are still a child of God and God loves you. That's very good. Very good. And I remember you telling me about that, um, the camp you went to over the summer. That was very impactful. And um, thank you for sharing all of those things, laying down the context of your life. Um, um, so I want you to go in to the things you experienced a little bit deeper, like the um, sexual abuse and not having a father. Um, go back and relive some of those experiences and tell us like how that felt. And then afterwards, we'll get into how God used that and how you came over, how, overcame that or conquered that. Absolutely. When children are born, I truly believe that every child knows who their parents are. And I find that we have this sense of them where it's like we, we can identify them even from people who look just like them. And so for me, having a father who was very in and out of my life, like I was aware of his identity. I was aware of his presence. And I was also aware of his coming and going. And so a lot of my infancy and my toddlerhood, if you will, was really just enshrouded in him coming and going and me just feeling his presence when he was there and then feeling this drawing gnawing when he was gone. And it was very, very painful. It was very, very painful. Oftentimes people think that as a child, you don't remember those things, but they tend to be the things that you remember best. After some time, my mother ended up leaving him or whatever the situation was um, and finding another person to be with. And this guy, he started out seemingly fine, but he was actually very, very abusive. And just my first encounter with this man, you know, I figured, hey, like, you know, this is the guy that's going to be the father figure that I always wanted. This is the guy that's going to love me and give me that fatherly love that as a young girl I deserve and I really am entitled to. But that just wasn't the case. That just wasn't the case. This man had a very abusive spirit. He was spiritually abusive, emotionally abusive, just physically abusive, just any way you can think of. And it really shattered for me this perception and this idea of what men were, especially so back to back at such a young age. Like I really wasn't even fine by the time all of these things had really happened. And it would just be through the rest of my life that those things would settle in as ideologies and beliefs that I thought were me, but were really just who my trauma made me out to be. How can I go through that kind of abuse and still trust men? Like, how can I deal with domestic violence and still be attracted to a man when this is the example of a man that I have, a man who is aggressive and angry all the time and he makes his emotions other people's problems? Why would that be something I would seek to yearn for? It isn't. And that's why I found my sexuality skewing off in different ways in different places. And sexual abuse also did not help this. What it did was it hypersexualized me And especially being a young child, seeing something like that, already having been hurt by my father, I actually ended up seeing sexual intimacy as a way to get the love that I felt that I I wanted and needed without having to put my heart on the line. Mm -hmm. So I was willing to give my body, but I wasn't willing to give my heart. I wasn't willing to give my soul. I wasn't willing to give those deeper parts of myself that really is where I needed the fulfillment. (laughs) It's truly where I needed the fulfillment. Yes. And trying to find that fulfillment. That's so we get into that, like you said, just giving our body um, to feel something and so, so that also in that we're, we're protecting our hearts in that measure. And so we think we're doing a good thing, but we're um, actually putting ourselves in a more oppressed um, situation. And then as you were talking about your relationship with your father, I'm thinking like 
a lot of times our relationship with our natural father affects our relationship with God because we got, I got this man who's supposed to be my dad right here in my life and he's not even showing up the way he's supposed to show up. He's not treating me how I'm, he's supposed to be treating me. So how am I supposed to trust this father, this God that I can't even see, you know? And so once we, when we do the work and, and really get to know God and work on repairing that relationship, if repairable with our fathers, we find ourselves able to connect more with God on an intimate level. Or even if it's just having to forgive your biological dad, helping you repair that or find that relationship that you will have with God without thinking of him as man because he's not a man and he's not going to do us dirty. We don't have to worry about God over-sexualizing us or or looking at us in pity because he he created us. We're we're divine to him. We're his masterpiece. He's going to look at us and and be proud of the women that we are and who we are becoming and us taking those little steps, those big steps we need into going forward in the purpose that he has for us. And so that is so, so, so good that you were able to make all those um, um, actualizations about what was going on back then in your life. Um. And so I wrote something down. You said last time you said that men, you found that men weren't, and you were, you came to the conclusion that men were not a safe place for you. And so that kind of pushed you towards um, the women. And for me in that case, I, it wasn't that I found men not a safe place, but I found that men weren't reliable. So, you know, I was, let me go see what this is about <laughs> to dibble in that, to see where I could find that feeling that you were talking about that thing that we're trying to fulfill. Maybe I'll find that in another woman. Didn't happen, sis. Did not happen, of course. <laughs> Did not happen. And so as we're talking about um, dabbling in the LGBTQ um, lifestyle or attraction, where are you at with that right now? Yeah, so I'm at a place now, I'm going to give myself maybe like an 85%, like 85% healed. And I base that metrics on the fact that I've allowed God to really enter into the roots of my traumas when it came to my attraction towards women. So I know that for me, it started with an inability to have my needs met, my emotional needs met by men, even through fatherhood. And I just found that this same love that I was looking for from men have really always been available to me and women you know god has created men to provide and to protect oh gosh i'm sorry let me is this no nah, let me turn the light back on I, okay go ahead it's, so long. Oh. it's a motion light oh. <laughs> it's fine i'm sorry about that that was strange Oh, you good. I'm going to start over the answer for that question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so when it comes to my healing from same-sex attraction, I would say that I'm very, very far along. And it's simply because I took stock of really the greatest traumas that I had in my life. And I allowed God to tell me how he felt about them. 
keys. Instead of muddling and living in the pain that I had from relationships with men in my life, I actually allowed God to enter those situations, to enter those memories, and allow them to define them. As children, we go through many, many different things. And because we're children, we tend to come up with these conclusions as to reasons why things happened that honestly will most likely never be true. I always thought that it was my fault that my father left. I thought it was my fault. You know, I thought maybe I cried too much. You know what I'm saying? I needed to be changed too Mm -hmm. much or just I needed too much. But I'm a baby. I need more than almost any other living thing on the face of the earth. And I'm entitled to it, especially as a child of that parent. And so I relied on this man to be these things for me. And he just wasn't there for me. I asked God why it is that he did end up walking out of my life. And it was simply because he had never even had a father of his own. He had no idea what it meant and what it took to be a father. He did not have an understanding. He didn't even have the foresight to be able to understand all it is that it took to embody this great and important role. And so in doing that, he had to walk away. And it's simply because he didn't have enough love for himself to have love for God, to have love for my mom, to have love for then an older sister and then myself. Right. There was too much love that was needed to go around. And he truly had not enough to feel that for himself. And so I found that just in that same instance, the way I let God work in that memory is the way I let God work in another trauma and another pain and another area of my life. And it just got to the point where I've allowed him to do so much work in so many different areas of my life that I no longer struggle with same-sex attraction the way I used to. I no longer find myself attracted to women the way I used to because now I see them as my sisters in Christ who mm-hmm. embody the same things that I embody. The same love that I went to other women to receive is the same love that I have to give. And so if I allow God to strengthen me, not only can I give that love to myself, but to my other young women in a way that encourages them and sets them forth in a beautiful path and not just twist it up in our own destruction. Yes, that's so good. And the key right there is perception. You being able to put yourself in his shoes and seeing that he didn't have anybody. So, I mean, that's what it was. And then being able to accept the reality of that, like, that's really what it, what it is. And then I feel like when we can, when we do that, we're better able to forgive and then allow God to work in all these different spaces to reveal the truths of these situations. Yes. And a lot of people can't put themselves in other people's shoes. They're stuck on emotions and, and feelings and how that hurt and how they're still struggling with this and that because of what happened in the past but um i think the key there is perception being able to look at it from from their view for the same with my dad he he decided to step away because that was the best for me and my brother because him and my mom they were you know very toxic and so had he had stayed in my life i ultimately probably would not have valued his um presence as much as i do now and so um i'm Although I didn't, I had a, a, a special childhood because of his absence, I'm grateful for the decision that he made because now I actually value um, him as a man and his role in my life. And you also talked about allowing God to define the different relationships in your life. What, what kind of things did he speak to you about concerning the relationships you had with these people in your life? Yeah, so if anything, this was definitely a journey that was marked by forgiveness. And forgiveness is definitely a hard thing when you bear hurts, when you bear hurts, um, especially in such personal places. It can be very hard to forgive, but ultimately I had to walk in that, you know. I had to forgive my mom for seeking healing in relationships instead of God because, you know, I know I did that. 
and that's what we all do. I had to forgive my father for not knowing what it was like to be a father and not even really aspiring to try. And that was very, very difficult. Oftentimes when we have people like that in our life who, who owe us that kind of loving guardianship, it's like we have these high expectations for who they are and how they should operate. But, you know, they were still young. And even if they weren't young, they were still first-time parents, and that isn't easy. When right. it came to my stepfather, I had to learn how not to allow his words or even the words of others to get into my soul because they had no place there. If it's not light, if it's not love, it's not, if it's not joy and the true love of God, then it really has no place in my life. And so my journey in forgiving him and healing from that relationship came from starting to heal from his words, healing from his verbal abuse, healing from the insecurities that he seated inside of me, and then taking a step back and seeing that the same way that he's operating with me is most likely the same way someone else operated with him. Right. I don't even know too much about him or his backstory or what he went through. But I just know in order for somebody to treat like treat women and children in that way, there has to be some pain there. There has to be some darkness there. And so I found that healing and, and forgiveness and reconciliation in these relationships is predicated on seeing them the way God sees them as human beings who are hurting and in need of love. Ooh. That's my prayer, that the Lord lets, allows me to see people the way that he sees them and that he trades his desires, that my desires in my heart for his. Because as we're leaders, um, we have to be able to see the best in people, family too, friends, strangers, whatever, in order to help them pull out the best things inside of them. And girl, it's so great that through your trauma, you can still go back and look at your dad. I understand that you didn't have this. And so I'm not going to hold it against you. And I'm not going to stop my healing based off of the past because I, I wake up every day. I understand I have a decision to make about how I'm going to lead my life. And you are definitely allowing God to, to use your life for his glory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk about um, when we talk about LGBTQ and then overcoming that, because I know there, like, I'm, I had to overcome that, and so I know there's a lot of things that we have to um, set ourselves apart from. Last time we talked about our eye gate in lust. Talk talk about that a little bit, because we both been on TikTok talking about lust, and I think your post inspired me to talk about it a little bit more so go ahead and and let the people know about lust and what we how we need to guard our eye gates yes absolutely so when my sexual abuse occurred it was a non-touching offense which was something that i learned about in my healing journey and it's basically where you're exposed to some form of sexual stimulation at a child at an age where you're still a child and you're too young to really be able to witness those things because those aren't for children. Like those things are not a blessing for children to see. Even if children are created, I'm sorry. Can I start that question again? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, guarding our eye gates honestly has to be one of the most important ways we can defend ourselves from lust. When I was exposed to sexual intimacy, it was something that I saw with my eyes. And so I found that even as I struggled with pornography, even, even as I struggled with masturbation, it was really through my eye gates that were my real Achilles heel. And it was simply because having seen those things, it just, it created this, this open-minded, 
open-ended curiosity within me to the point where it's like even just seeing the word sex or seeing something that relates to sex it automatically drags my eyes straight to it and so I found that you know commercials and tv shows and movies that are just so hypersexualized in and of themselves has just really festered this problem and caused it to fester on um, I would move forward having very very sexual dreams that I would literally have since like elementary school and it took years for me to cast off that stronghold to a point where I can allow my mind and my thoughts to be pleasing to God and that was very difficult because of the stimuli that we're exposed to at all times mm-hmm. in my journey through my own sexuality I found that interestingly enough my sexuality was never so much my focus as it was other people's um, you know, in middle school and high school, people like to tease you, send people up to you, ask you, hey, like, do you like boys? Do you like girls? As if my sexuality has anything to do with the grade you're getting in this class, like literally. Right. One, mind your business. And two, let's look inside. Let's look inside of ourselves. At that time, I wasn't looking inside myself. So even as my homosexual desires were building and accumulating, I really wasn't paying attention to it. And so I allow something that really wasn't me to build up on the back burner to the point where where I was old enough to be interested in romantic relationships and to seek romantic partners, I found myself confused because so much of my life had been marred by the actions of men and so much of it had been built up by women to the point where now that I'm interested in romantic relationships, I'm looking for this love that I never received from men. I'm looking for this kindness that I never received from men. And I'm looking at it from the only source of love that I really even knew. And so throughout this journey, I've been just allowing God to really enter into those same mindsets, those same thoughts and beliefs to lead me and guide me into who I really am. That's good. That's very good. And I, same, have found myself like with the TV and the music, you know, eliminating a lot of that. I got to a point where I was like, okay, no secular music. I can't listen to not a one lyric because that triggers those dreams and those thoughts um like you talked about being a lucid dreamer a while ago um I daydream so heavy and so like you said any one little thing that implies sex or anything sexual it'll trigger my thinking and then it'll be down a rabbit hole and I'm just distracted all day or thinking about this and that all day and so really purifying your your um environment what you allow in your eye gate is is very very key like you're saying um very key um so concerning everything that you've you've um overcame what are you what are some things that you do to maintain like you talked about um watching your eye gate like studying do you study pray what types of things do you do to keep yourself aligned and moving forward and then like when triggers come or you have temptations come what do you do to stay aligned yeah so what i do to keep myself aligned is whenever i see something sexual or lustful or even anything that's on the fringes of that i remind myself by saying this sex is holy and so am i I find that oftentimes when those things come along, if we don't respond to them in the moment, then those lustful thoughts and different things that you see in here will pile up in the background of your mind. And when you're alone, when it's late at night and nobody's around and everyone's asleep, 
that is when those thoughts will come to attack you. Always when you're most vulnerable. I would find that times where, you know, I would pray. I would be walking with the Lord. I know I'll be walking in God's will for my life and my purpose. And something as simple as just being home alone would try to come and creep up on me and take away from me the joy and the strength that I've been building in the Lord as I seek to move forward in purpose. And so I find that purpose in and of itself is one of the most important and cornerstone things that you're going to need in order to be able to fight this battle against lust because it shows you not only who you are but who you were created to be and in the bible it says that without a vision people perish they perish in addition to a lack of a lack of knowledge and so i find that staying focused on god making sure that i stay in my word and i keep my spirit built up so that when those things come by i already know who i am i already know who god is and how he's working in me so that way they don't overcome Yes, key to know who you are and who you are not. I talk a lot about self-awareness because when you know who you are, you're better equipped to battle and manage triggers and temptations. You're better equipped to say no when you need to say no. You're better equipped to accept things when you are in a position to accept things. That's very very key. And you said you said that um, you tell yourself, I am whole, sex is holy and so am I. Elaborate on sex is holy because I think when people hear the word sex, or when Christians hear the word sex, they think, oh, sex isn't holy. You know, that we're not supposed to be having sex, but sex is holy when you do it um, in, in the right way. So explain that. Yeah, so sex is holy because it's literally the first things that God called us to do as men and women. He said to be fruitful and to multiply. And could you imagine God creating something so beautiful, wonderful, and pleasurable at sex? And then because you're not allowed to walk in it according to your own wills and desires, you cast it away. You think less of it. You think of it filthy. You think of it against God when it's literally what he created you to do, to serve him, to glorify him, and to multiply in the earth. And so it is truly a trick of Satan, a trick of the enemy to take something that's blessed, to take something that's holy and God-given as a gift and pervert it and twist it and turn it. And that's why we don't even want to talk to our children about sex nowadays. Physically, functionally, logically, or even secularly, because the world has taken sex and they have twisted it and they have perverted it. Um, I heard a very wise man, he had made a statement. And he said, sex in the body is good. Sex in the mind is bad. And that just really touched my soul because what he's saying is it's so good and perfect and natural for you have sexual desires in your physical body. But when those sexual desires enter into your mind, where they, be, they begin to live there, they begin to build a home there, and they begin to stay in your mind, then it clouds your judgment. And that's where perversions really grow. Perversion is starts from the heart. But when it gets into your mind, it's truly something that can rot you from the inside out. But sex is holy and sex is pure. And it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. And God is so pleased when a husband and a wife in the blessing of marriage, enjoy sexual activity. God looks at that. God blesses that. He's glorified in that because you're honoring him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something that God revealed to me about homosexuality and sexual intimacy is the fact that men and women have meaning. Men and women have meaning. He used the verse John three sixteen to show me this. We know John 3, 16, it says, for whosoever has faith in God um, and believes in him shall have everlasting life and shall be saved by God, et cetera, et cetera. We know the whole thing. Yeah. And so basically God was saying that when God sent his son to die for us, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm going to start again at the John three sixteen. 
Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so God said, like it says in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall have everlasting life and shall not be condemned. And so in that, God reminded me and he showed me men and women have meaning. And so just as the man in marriage is supposed to represent Christ and just like the woman in marriage is supposed to represent the church. If we take the meaning, the fullness of the meaning of men and women and we place them in that scripture, it would say because God was so holy that he sent his only son to save himself, to bless himself so he could be one with himself, just all about himself. And we know that's blasphemy because God didn't create us to save himself. God doesn't need saving. We're the ones who need saving. So to say that God created us just to bring himself salvation is blasphemy. Now, if we turn that around and we look at a relationship where two women, two churches are in the midst of a marital or even a sexual or romantic relationship, it would say that, you know, for, for people, we're so holy that people set themselves to save themselves, to give mm-hmm. themselves. And, and we know getting where we can't save ourselves. If we could, we would never, we would still be in the garden to this day. But we see that because of the way Satan perverts things and he takes things and twists them and turns them, they lose the fullness and the power of their meaning. And that's exactly what Satan seeks to do when he confuses and hurts a generation of young men and women such as ourselves. Right. That's very good. Thanks for explaining that. I I, I agree. I agree. We Satan, he, he flips things. Everything that God made good, he flips it and perverts it. And so we got to as people like the bible says don't be ignorant of satan's devices i mean all through the bible it shows us how satan perverses things he he uses them for the opposite purpose that god intends for them to be and a lot of people are manipulated by that and so it's it's great that we get on and have these conversations and we bring light to those things um and so thank you and as we are wrapping up I want you to share um, words of encouragement or advice for young women who are um, living in the LGBTQ community but have questions about how God has called for them to live. And also for parents who have children who they're praying for um, that they use their lives to, to glorify God. Absolutely. In speaking to the LGBT community, I sincerely want you to know more than anything that God loves you so deeply. God loves you so deeply. And I promise you, the more you feel as if God doesn't desire you, that God doesn't want you, and that God doesn't love you, is the more that he does. The church has done such a bad job of showing the love of Jesus to the hearts of sinners. Christ died for sinners. He came to see to it that people like us, young and old alike, can have fullness and wholeness of who we are and our identities and in ourselves. And so I say to you, you are so much more than your sexuality. You are so much more than your sexuality. If that one part of your life could be so powerful as to define you so greatly, then could you imagine who you are in the fullness of Christ Jesus? He has the fullness of our identities. It's not something we're going to find in any part of our lives, in any part of our past, in any part of our traumas. You are so much more than what you think you are. And God sincerely wants to show you that for himself. Just as the church was created for sinners, so was it created for church people. 
who are also sinners, who are also imperfect, who in, in guarding against sin have put themselves in a position where they've begun to guard themselves against sinners as well. We've confused people with their sins. And so that's why people do very dangerous and harmful things because they see themselves as that sin. They see themselves as that dark thing. They see themselves as that unworthy, unlovable thing. And that's not true at all. You are not your actions. You are not your deeds. And you are not your sexuality. You are so much more. And the only way you can find the fullness and the completeness and the wholeness of who you are is truly in Christ. All of us go to many different things to try to find identity, to find purpose, to try to find meaning. I've been a few places. I've done a few things. And even yet still, there is no greater foundation. There is no greater strength or greater identity than the truth and love of God. And I encourage you to seek him out and let him show you and tell you for yourself. So that way you can know that you truly are worthy and more worthy than you'll ever know. That's so good. Yes. God, beyond all of that, God loves you as he's created you. Um, thank you. I think I think the people are going to really receive that. That's that's really good because they are often too much too many times here. You're going to hell. You're abomination. God doesn't like this. God doesn't like that. And they feel like, all right, well, you say I'm going to hell and I can't change how I feel. So it just is what it is. And I just watched the testimony of a woman saying that. She said she knew she grew up in the church and so on and so forth, but she was living a certain way. And she said that, you know, the lukewarm, God rather you be hot or cold. And so she was like, well, I guess I'm going to just be, I guess I'm going to just be cold because I, I don't, I don't know what else to do. And so she was dead set on, all right, I'm just going to hell because there's nothing, nothing else I can do. But so people need to hear that God wants you to come as you are, first of all. And when we talk about that, you know, the church say that we're not just talking about clothes. We're talking about who you are as a person, your characters, your strengths, your weaknesses, your sin. Come in with all of that and just lay it there. Just lay it there at God's feet. Don't worry about how much you've been smoking. Don't worry about how you just had sex last night. Don't worry about you just got was drunk at the club the night before. Just come in as you are. And when you come in, come in with a sincere heart and a, and a, and a yielded heart to God for him to help you sort all that out. I think a lot of times we focus on our sin and how bad we're doing and forgetting that God's love covers all of that. And so if he could help Naquandra, if he can help Savia, he can definitely help me. And so we got to change that perception of thinking I'm not good enough. No, you're just right. You're just right. So get on in the, get in, get in the room, (laughs) get to where you need to be. Um, And if you're listening to this and any of this is pulling at your spirit, I encourage you to go where the Spirit of God is leading you. If you need to have a conversation with him, if you need to have a conversation with me or Savia, just, you know, reach out. Get what you need. Um, don't go another minute or moment confused or or lost or feeling worthless when you have two people here um, who, have, who have experienced what you are currently experiencing. You can reach out. We make ourselves available just for that. But, um... Thank you for sharing those words. Um, This has been a wonderful conversation. And thank you for your time, your commitment, your obedience, your testimony. 
Glory to God. Yes, glory be unto God. And so if you want to reach out for my sis, all my sisters, my good sisters, if you want to reach out to Savia, all of her content information is in the information. If you listen to this on the podcast, it's in the information part. If you're listening to this on YouTube, it's in the comments and so on and so forth. Also, you can always reach me at thepurposeplace.com um, for one-on-one coaching and mentorship. But this has been wonderful. Um, do you have any other things you want to say to the um, to the women, Savia? Absolutely. I would like to tell them that everything that they're looking for is in Christ. God told me that everything that I'm looking for in a husband, to take all of those desires and to place them on him. And then when the time comes, he'll take everything that belongs to the husband, everything that belongs to the man. He'll place that responsibility on his shoulders and everything it means for God to be a father to the fatherless, even a father to women who have had fathers. He's willing to stand in the gap and he has his hands and his arms open, ready to give you everything it is you to desire and more. Amen. Yes, he has everything you need all right my good people well we will talk with you later thanks for listening to the women like podcast if this message has blessed you this conversation has blessed you and encouraged you in any type of way make sure you share it with your friends and family so that they too can be uplifted um and encouraged in their spirit thank you so much for listening and we will talk soon Hey sis, thanks for tuning into the message today. I really hope that it blessed you and encouraged you. I also pray that it motivates you to keep you pushing forward in everything that God has for you. Before you leave, make sure you are sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Let that be your way of evangelizing to the people, okay? Don't forget to subscribe and I will be talking to you soon.